You're listening to Radio Influence. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, Friday. How you guys doing today out there? How's everybody doing? How uh, absolutely insane are you guys while sitting in your houses? I see we're starting to get out. Hey, look, at least it's not like brutally hot outside or brutally cold outside. We get to get outside and walk around, socially distance ourselves, wear our masks now because it's the law. You got to wear a mask, boys and girls. I can't wait to see what kind of robberies start to happen over the next couple of weeks while everybody and their brothers are wearing masks walking into stores. Uh, I've heard a little bit of the lawlessness that's been going on. I'm lucky enough to be around the corner from the police station uh, where I live. I want to give the shout out to the boys in blue at the Lower Marion Police Department uh, who have been uh, just amazing across the board from uh, from what what it is that they're doing out there on the streets. And, you know, there's some crazy shit. There's some crazy people going on out there as well. I'm hearing stories now of not looting. It's not looting. What they're doing is they're walking into stores. They've got masks and gloves on and they're grabbing bags or they have bags with them. They fill them up and they walk out the front door. Lawlessness, pure lawlessness. They just don't give a shit. I did it the other day. No turn on red. I made a right turn on red. Nobody was around. There's no fucking cars on the road. Now you're going to tell me I can't make a right turn on red? Doesn't mean that I'm going to walk into a store and just steal shit. It's not the way that it works. I had to go to Restaurant Depot the other day because of the fact that I'm not buying from a lot of, you know, some of my purveyors are out there, but they've raised prices and stuff like that. I've got to be really aware of the dollars that are coming in and the dollars that are going out. And I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of fun at Restaurant Depot the last couple of weeks because I'm picking my product, I'm finding the best product that's out there, and I'm spending a lot less money. I used to tell a lot of my clients to stay away from going to these stores, but now I hate to tell you, like my ribs are 30, 40, 50, 60 cents a pound less than what I'm paying from some of my purveyors. 30, 40, 50, 60 cents a pound less. That means that on every rack of ribs, which is three and a quarter rack of rib or pound rack of rib, you know, I'm saving $2, $3 in some cases. So I'm spending a lot of time at Depot, but I went to go into the Depot yesterday and I walk up and they had a whole bunch of people stopped. You've got to be wearing the mask when you're walking into these stores now or else you're not allowed in. Same thing's happening in our store at the restaurant. We want you to come into the restaurant. We're going to ask you to wear a mask. We're going to ask you to wipe down when you're walking in and when you're leaving. Same time. Clean your hands, man. Nothing wrong with that at all. Let's not keep the spread going. Let's get rid of the spread. All it is is taking care of ourselves, washing our hands and covering our mouths. You know, when you're out walking around, if you got to wear a mask, if you're outside, do it if you're around people. Okay, I don't know what's going on. Is it airborne? I have absolutely no fucking clue. I do know that it's out there and it stays on surfaces. And now they're telling us that the effects of it are starting to dig deeper into the brain, into the lungs, into the heart. So this shit's getting weird, man. But just because they're saying that the curve is starting to slow down, it's starting to flatten out a little bit, doesn't mean that we are about to resume the world as it really should be. Where it should be is we should be super careful. I went out this morning. I went to the doctor's office. I walked in. I wore my gloves. I wore my mask. I was prepared. 
okay, because it's my job. If you don't have a mask, buy a fucking bandana. Put a bandana around your face. Get a T-shirt. Rip the sleeve off of a long-sleeve T-shirt that you got at spring break in Clearwater Beach because you're never going to wear it again. Rip the sleeve off and tie that shit around your face. If you're going to go into a store, put it on. It's not that hard. People are saying they can't find masks. Look, talk to your grandmother. She'll show you a goddamn mask. Nothing wrong with that. All right? So, okay, that's my rant for this week. That's where we are. I'm not going to get crazy about it. But this week on Duffified Live, we have a wonderful conversation. Ready for this? Chef Mike Fucci from Chef Mike's up there in Needham, Massachusetts. Boys and girls, get your stuff together because he's here with me now. Good morning, Chef. How are you today? Good morning, Brother Bry. How are you? I'm not too shabby, man. I just uh, I just got back from the doctor. I have had a uh, a rod in the tip of my left middle finger for the last six weeks, and I bent it this week, so we just pulled it out, which sucked. Oh, man. Yes, yeah. that's, that's not good. You yeah, gotta stop you're a chef, off, we get bro. these things, we fuck our hands up. It's the nature of the beast. Right. Pretty much, especially when you're flipping people off all day. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Well, that's more of a Boston thing than it is down here. Yeah, we just throw really shit cool. at you in Philly. You guys flip people off. We throw <laughs> shit at you. Yeah, I'll stay away from those bricks. Thanks. Yeah, really. Uh, so, hey, do me a favor, brother. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and how people can get in contact with you? So I am Chef Mike Fucci. I am the owner of Chef Mike's because I have an ego. I name it after myself uh, here in Needham, Mass., uh, you can get me at eat at chefmikes.com or you can go to Instagram at chefmikef or chefmikesmeetem. And the same is on uh, Facebook and Twitter is chefmikef as well. Nice, dude. So let's kind of go through. I mean, you're about my age. So we've kind of been running this industry for about the same time frame. So, Pretty like, much. where, you know, kind of what, what, where, where are you now? What, what is your kind of world right now? And then we'll back. We'll go backwards from there. Yeah, mentally. Whichever one works for you. <laughs> oh, mentally, uh, mentally, I'm about to go Harry Carey on the damn government. But I mean, other than that, in this industry, we're getting we're getting annihilated. Uh, small businesses are only doing about ninety, uh, probably about ten percent of what they were doing prior to the coronavirus. We're working hard to create new menus, create new ideas, come up with new stuff to attract the public to hopefully entice them out of their houses. But it's not up here in Boston from what I'm seeing. It's not really working. Uh, a lot of people don't want to come out. We're with number three in the country, I guess, or three or four in the country for the highest rate of uh, coronavirus illnesses and deaths. People are afraid. So in this industry, in, 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 in you know, our, our industry, we're getting, we're getting annihilated is what's happening. Now, are you are you guys utilizing any sort of delivery service? Are you guys delivering? Are you guys doing anything in that way? Oh yeah, we're doing uh, curbside, and I'm doing delivery uh, aspect. I actually funny story yesterday. I had uh, sorry sat Saturday. I was sitting. I was in my office, and I'm trying to do some paperwork, and I hear a strange voice in my restaurant. Right now, I don't allow anybody in here. You can't get in. It's curbside delivery, and right. it was a health inspector, right. and I threw her out. Told her, I said, what do you think? You're special? There's a sign on the door. Get the hell out. And she, she looked at me like I had 10 heads. And I don't care who you are. Well, we're just trying to check the coronavirus uh, protocols. I go, my protocol is keeping you out of my building. So Now, did you guys do any of the serve safe stuff for that? Uh, 
uh, yeah, we we took care of, we took care of all that stuff. We did everything we needed to do possible. They sent out memos. Uh, all of our inspectors up here, they're, they're they're fairly decent, and they they try to keep on top of stuff. So they sent out all these new protocols that you needed to do for the coronavirus, and you know all that stuff. And I I followed it to the letter, but you know part of that letter is since January I haven't allowed anybody in my restaurant. My staff was ready right. to quit. They were like, we're not getting sick. I said, don't. I said, let's keep everybody out. That's it. Right. Since January? Since January. It was January 27th, to be honest with you. January 27th, when we found out that up the street from here, uh, there's a place called the Wingate. And it's it's an elderly home. It's a place for, you know, rest home. And uh, there was several cases, several cases. Then the first case actually happened. The second case happened in Needham up at Restaurant Depot. In Restaurant Depot. So we basically just said, fuck it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm locking the doors. Wow. It went to curbside and delivery uh, from that point forward. So that's where I've been at since January. Wow. Jeez, dude, that's crazy. I didn't realize that you guys were that far back. Cause I guess for us was, I think we, we found, went full to go March 19. And we stopped yeah. at pretty much every any any sit sit down or any of that stuff. So, yeah, we kind of pulled everything back at that point. And and for us, it's been we're the only barbecue place in the area. You know, I mean, my barbecue spot is pretty down and dirty. It's an old style. You know, right. it's it's an old smokehouse. It's Texas, you know, barbecue. And uh, that's a beautiful thing right there. Yeah, man, we're rocking and rolling. I mean, we we're we're very busy between all the you know the extra stuff that we're doing, whether it be hospitals and hospitality to, um, you know, our, our regular guests that are coming in. I mean, you know, we we're 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 running pretty hard right now, so it's pretty crazy. You're still doing take. You're still letting people in your building to do takeout. So I'm allowed. I allow three people in the restaurant at a shot. So um, I have an 1,100 square foot. I have 2,200 square feet, but 1,100 of it split upstairs and downstairs. So right. I do. Uh, I have uh, 1,100 upstairs. We actually stacked all of our chairs, so all of our chairs are stacked, and they're going in the basement. And then we have all of our tables lined up and prepped up, you know, kind of all around the, the perimeter of the, the inside of the restaurant. And everything is lined out. So we have tape that runs about 12 to 14 inches across yeah. every single table. So every order that comes in gets assigned a number. And then when you walk in, if it's paid, it's over here. If it's unpaid, it's over there. Uh, and you can walk in, tell me who you are, grab your food and walk out the front door. Exactly. So, so that's basically how our system works, where I stacked up all my chairs and tables. Actually, my chairs and tables are right next to the picture of you and me on the oh, wall. There you go, dude. Nice. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't, I, there's only three people that I let in the building really that aren't, that aren't employees and two of them are cops because yeah. they have to work the area and I know that they're super clean. So they use my bathroom. Uh, yes. And the third person is my purveyor nice. and that's it. And that's, that's the way it goes. But he's, uh, there's curbside, you know, give me your name, tell me what kind of car you're driving, even down to the point where give me a license plate and I'll put it out there for you with your name and we'll, we'll go from that and go from there. But yeah. it's just getting, it's to me. I don't mind doing that. It, it's it's a lot, you know. It, it's it's two extra steps. That's all it right. is, you know. And I, I think the people actually like the convenience of not getting out of their car anymore. You sure. know, well, I mean, you, the, you the country's certain, lazy anyway. So well, that's what I was going to say. You, you live in certain areas; everyone's lazy. So it's like, oh, you're going to wait on me? I'll even more. Yeah, okay, lady, just stay in the yeah. car. But we uh, uh, we're we're. I mean, we do some curbside. I mean, if you want curbside, you pull up to the back door. 
because um, my, my restaurant runs between two streets. So my front door and back door, and I've got a kind of a private street behind us. So it works out really well. Um, but I mean, you know, for you guys, I mean, how much adjustment did you have to do? You guys are, how big is your property? 2,800 square feet inside. I got 15 okay. spots outside. Um, it's 15 parking or 15 f- seats? 15 parking spots. Okay. I got 15. So my problem in my setting, Brian, is that, you know, you, I'm in an industrial area, which is right, right. off the highway. Yeah. So I've got this main road is normally backed up like crazy. And it's a ghost town because less than a quarter of a mile from here is TripAdvisor, uh, uh, Shark Ninja Company, the uh, four hotels and everything is. Do you tell Ninja to send me some shit, man. Yeah, Sorry. dude. Yeah, I can't even get them to send me some shit. I would kill for some fucking blend. I just gave them a huge plug the other day. Oh, I was, yeah, you did. Somebody was asking me. I was doing a live video. I'm like, fucking Ninja, man. Ninja's good stuff. I love it. It's great. It's, I got I got two of them, and I had to buy them. I was like, buddy, I give you a sandwich every day. When they come in here, when they were coming in, I said, yeah. buddy, I give you lunch every day. I say, either make you a sandwich or I make you a sauteed item, whatever it is. I go, I give it to you. I go, you know why? Because I'm trying to poach you for a blender. Go get me a blender. It's the corporate office, for Christ's sake. You got to have something. I mean, for five, Jesus Christ. Now, did you guys make, did you guys make major adjustments to your menu during this whole time or what was kind of your, uh, you know, I mean, you guys started earlier than everybody. So how did you guys, you know, what did you guys do? So to understand where I'm at. So, you know, I've, I've done fine dining my whole life and I tried to, this was supposed to be my little retirement gig. You know, bro, you know what it's like when you go from fine dining to making sandwiches. Absolutely. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to relax. I'm going to make sandwiches the rest of my life until I retire. This is going to be wonderful, right? Yeah, okay. So basically, when this thing hit, I I switched the entire menu over to all my saute and my steaks. I'm back to fine dining to go, to go fine dining. There's some sandwiches in there, but it's not, the the menu's cut in half. And then I rebuilt it and I restructured it. And I'll tell you what, when I reopen, I'm probably going to stay the same. I got, it's it, wow. the menu's flying. I can't keep steaks in the house. I got my New York strip and my filet. I can't leave. I got potatoes, bro, that are the size of infants. Yeah, and people are loving these things. So yeah, we do a actually, smoked, we do a smoked baked potato. It's for my new menu. That's a forty count. Oh, they're massive. So we're doing forties, and we smoke them. We salt rub them and smoke them, and then we split them, and then we stuff them with just a bunch of like smoked moths, and we do a smoked demi over it, and then he gets to choose meats. That's our new. That'll be on the new menu for something fun. But uh, you are messing with my world. Oh, yeah, man, we just fuck around. I mean, that's our whole. That's the best part about barbecue and having. You know, I mean, having. You know, I hate to say it, but having barbecue and a culinary degree kind of leads you into a different world for stuff that you want to do. I mean, I bought this place for fun, not not for fun, like like fuck you money type fun, like for fun because I wanted to have some fun. I've opened so many gastro pubs and 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 fine dining properties over the years, and and done so much with that farm to table and across the board that I wanted to just kind of have some. Fun fun and uh you know we're we're having a good time what we're supposed to do it's when our age is that you're supposed to do listen 33 years i'm doing this and i'm telling you now my body can't take 45 i started when i was 13 in my family restaurant right i mean literally i didn't i wasn't one of those people that woke up one day and said i'm gonna be a chef yeah you know i'm gonna open a you know I started out, my uncle, my family business was from 1932 is when they started it. They came over from Sicily. And what was the, bus, the business? 
It was a Revlent Plaza. It was the it was an upstairs sat five hundred people for a for function facilities, and downstairs the restaurant sat two hundred. Okay. And I worked both. My, you know, my uncle was was my chef, and you know, long story behind him. But you know, empty the trash, do the dishes, clean the grease traps, do what you're told, and that's it. And he didn't let me touch food until I was seventeen years old. Right. I worked that place every goddamn day of my life, and there was there was no activities after school. It's called go to work. Yeah. I mean, to the point where he gave me an ultimatum when I was when I when I graduated. I said I want to go to college. He goes, you can go to college and move out of my house, or you can still work at the restaurant and still live with me. I wow, mean, jeez. Yeah, I mean that's he. It was a path, and that was the only path he wanted. I'm a third. I'm a third generation chef. It was my grandfather Michael, my uncle Mike, and then me. Wow. And it's this is where they wanted it. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks for predetermining my life, you bastards. <laughs> so, I mean, and so, so, is, so now, dur- I mean, 33 years of, of doing this, I mean, where is your, so your education came from with your uncle and your, or your, your grandfather and your father. You know, I mean, that yeah, was where you were kind of learning yeah. through. My uncle, my uncle, and that was it. He was him. He was the one. He, he was the guy. I've always, I've always said this in my life. If Food Network, was around back when my uncle was in his prime, there would probably be no other bigger person in, on TV than him. It was just the way his personality was. Right. Uh, and how he liked to, to behave in the kitchen. I mean, the man was 6'8". He had oh, a 23 shit. ring no finger. No way. 23 ring finger. I'm oh, Jesus. That's fucking awesome, dude. This is, this is a man when you said, when he said something, you didn't say yes, chef. You got it off the back of the head. Yeah. I mean... It was that type of kitchen because it was all fine dining. We were doing a lot of work for a lot of politicians back then too. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of big deals doing the upstairs and the weddings and stuff. But yeah, man, it, it, I've in, in all my time, I've never seen anything like this. Right. It's, you know, you, 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 if he if I, if my uncle was alive today, he'd be, be shaking his head. I mean, look, I put a post on Facebook two days ago. I did a live video. And Brian, I think you and I are pretty much the same in this. We pretty much wear our emotions on our sleeves and we like to talk about what's pissing us off for the day. Right. Yeah. I go off on this tangent and I talk about how this 900 pound gorilla is screwing me in the ass and that's the government and all this stuff. And I'm going on and on and on. Do you really think the government, I mean, I guess on the financial end they are, but on the, on the, on the health level of it, it's. Yeah, I mean, we can't blame them. I mean, we've got one, the doctor that we should be listening to is speaking. Unfortunately, we have a president who reads between the lines and tries Correct. to insert his own quote-unquote intelligence amidst <laughs> amidst the idea of he has a writer who is writing the appropriate thing. And what he does Correct. is he goes on tangents outside of that. If we just fucking listen to the doctor and everybody stays home for a little while, you know, we're seeing it. My problem is, uh, you know, they talked Thursday about the fact that the curve had starting to flatten out a little bit in the Philadelphia area. Well, Friday was fucking traffic. People right. were everywhere again, you know, yeah. and I'm like, you know, everybody's got to sit down. So I guess on the financial level with what they're doing with the PPP, with the CARES Act and with the small business stuff, they're really fucking the small guy. Oh, they are big time, because if you look at what happened today, uh, you know, the Shake Shack's given back their $10 million yeah. that they got from the PPP. Now, with all due respect, you tell me why Ruth's Chris and, 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 and Shake Shack needed the loan to begin with. 
when you work as a small business like you and I, okay, what you need to do and what you're basically told to do by your bank is to exhaust every option you have, which means going into your own personal pocket to pay for your, your business if right. you need to. So where are the CEOs of these companies? Where is the board of directors on these companies? Right. Start, start anting up and then worry about a loan. Yeah. Let, the, let the little guy take we it didn't first even, the little guys weren't getting slaughtered. I mean, we didn't do anything. You know, I mean, my staff stayed on. Anybody who didn't want to work, who didn't feel comfortable, which in reality was my daughter. Yeah. And that's because my ex-wife's husband works in a hospital. So she was like, I don't want to come into the restaurant and be in, communi- in, in kind of close proximity of anybody who may. And, and that was a valid thing. So she's been pretty much quarantined for the last four weeks. Now, the rest of my staff was like, we're good to go. You know, I mean, they're all, they feel comfortable with what they're doing. One of my guys had, you know, he felt a little bit sick. And I was like, take the week off. You know, and in reality, right. he was just cold. He had a little bit of the flu. Um, he just wasn't feeling well. So I, and he called me the next day. He's like, chef, I feel better. I said, great. I'll see you next Wednesday. Like there wasn't even a, a, there wasn't even a reason for me to have him come in. But, but on a financial level, like we didn't do anything because we, our sales stayed the same, if not increase. And I didn't have to lay anybody off. So for me, there was no reason for me to try to take advantage of that system Right. You know, and a lot of people are saying, hey, get the free loans, you know, because they're 3%. You don't have to pay them back, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I, I just, I didn't feel comfortable doing that because I, I wasn't being affected. I agree. Now, and granted, if you were I haven't taken a fucking salary out of the restaurant in a year, but that's not what it's about. You know I mean? That's not what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to build a great brand, but. Right. And the same here. And I have a wife who works and she's right. still working. Now, what does your uh, wife do? Making- she is a human resources uh, recruiter for Vertex. It's a biotech company in Boston. Oh, okay. There you and go. There are, there are probably 3,000 people that work in that office, and they're all working from home. Right. So basically, she's, getting, she's still getting her check. And what we're trying to do is, is, is try to be reasonable. And at least in the beginning, I was trying to be reasonable. I said, listen, we got your check. You know, the business can make, instead of making 3,000, 4,000 a day over here, we're making 400 a day. Right. To 500 a day if we're lucky. Okay. I said, I still want to keep the staff on. And we had that come to Jesus talk about the money. And she, she agreed we should keep everybody going. But then my prep guy who's got a daughter who's got a lung issue, uh, yeah. you know, he was freaking out and panicking. <laughs> so instead of keeping him full time, he doesn't want to be full time. He only wants to be part time. Right. So we're basically trying to manipulate and move around stuff. But I, you know, I went for the PPP loan, but I got denied. I got denied because it was no so, more money. Because of what? Because there was no more money. All right. They, so, they ran out of money. Guess what? Yeah. They, and yeah. I know, I, I guess there was another, what, what was the other company? Somebody got 45 mil, didn't they? Roots Chris, Pork Belly. And, Roots Chris, which fucking Roots Chris has been a, a failing brand for, for, I mean, I don't know what their sales are now. Compared, I've always seen Roots. I've always seen Roots Chris as more of a of a of a B steakhouse as opposed to an A steakhouse. Agreed. You know? And I'm just not a huge fan of their product. No, but and I won't go. And I won't ever go there. And anything that they're supporting or anything that they're doing from this point forward is is done with me. I mean, I've done, dude, I'll fuck up do- with Flemings though. Oh, oh I'll fuck up with Flemings. Flemings. <laughs> You ready? I'm yeah. what, when this place opens, I'm coming down. We're going to Fleming's. 
I'm, I, I mean, seriously, I have, I go, like, uh, I have a lot of nights when I'm home. My girls are older. My oldest is 19. My youngest is 16. She's half and half between me and my ex-wife. I'm a single dude. There are nights when I'll be like 8.45, 9 o'clock, 9.15, and I'll make a reservation at Fleming's, get up there and sit at the bar and be the last dude at the bar and have a great fucking ribeye. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I like their product. I think they do a nice job. I think they do a great job. There's one here in, in, in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, that's now, wait, how far are you from Providence? About 35 minutes. Okay. Jen, do you know Jen Bem Lazzarini? She owns Redfin no. Crudo? No. Matt Varga at Gracie's? I do know Matt. Yep. Matt's a great fucking dude. Yeah, great people. Great people. people. Sorry. Great. Sorry. So uh, you're saying Fleming's in, uh, in, uh, up in Providence? In Providence, yeah, they, that's a that's close at the ba- that's in that hotel, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's that really pro- cool little kind of Art Deco hotel. Yeah, with that little enclave of a of a driveway. And yeah, awesome. That's, that's where I stayed when I was up there last time. I love that place. I've, Great the room, rooms are phenomenal. Dude, they're super cool. They're modern, and they've got kind of neat, uh, like a neat theme to each one of them. I think my room was more of a '60s kind of, you know, within that like flower power theme. Not there were flowers all over the place, but it was just kind of the way that they had put the room together. It was a really neat property. And then there was it was a great coffee shop downstairs, and then attached to that is the uh, was that 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 Fleming's, I guess. Yeah, and then you have the other section where you can get attached to the mall. Right, the whole entire mall, which was even cool because you can get out of there. You know, everyone has their, and everyone thinks that because we're chefs, we're we're snobs, which we're not. Uh, we all have our junk food moment, and you I know, we want to go to that fucking day. I've exactly. lost seventeen pounds during this pandemic, and I eat fast food. I'm not kidding you, dude. I shop for food every day because we don't know what's happening tomorrow. Blah blah blah. You know, I'll, I'll pick up my ribs at a local guy, blah, blah, blah. And I go to fucking checkers. I'm a checkers guy. I'll fuck up a big Buford. I've talked about it. I talk about it all the time. I will fuck up a big Buford oh. more, than a, more, more, more than any other burger I honestly think that's out there. I think it's a great fucking burger. Yeah, I've been to checkers. I think that burger is fantastic. Checkers actually. rallies. Some people yeah. know it as rallies, yeah. Last time I but they're only in the hood. Florida, There's I no checkers in white neighborhoods. No, God no! Why would there be? So wild! It's almost like it's almost like trying to find a uh, you know a Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Now yeah. you go look for Kentucky Fried Chickens. Where are they? They're in the low income neighborhoods. When was the last time you had KFC? Fifteen years ago. Yeah, you know, it's, dude, it, it's fuck. It's uh, it it tastes like shit. I hate to say it. There's too much fucking sodium, and every time that I've ever had it, I feel like. Full, I feel like a full blown piece of shit when I'm done. Sorry, KFC. I hate to tell you that. Not that they were ever going to sponsor yeah. me, any, but I don't think their product's no. good. I think that uh, I think that they are absolutely. Full. I think their product is. It's all right. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to be a dick. What's your fucking you dick? What is your what's your go to guilty? food whether it's like a day off run home after the end of the night like what's your guilty you're gonna hate me for this oh, go for it let me hear it you ever have you ever have olive loaf <laughs> yeah like pimento loaf pimento loaf yes yeah sure that's Absolutely. my go-to that's my go-to okay for some reason i can't escape this stuff and i and i and i've 
I've asked myself the question a thousand times. What got me so hooked on this? And I, I have no idea. But it, for me, that's my go-to. It's delicious for me. I eat that all day. As a kid. I mean, that was like a big thing as a kid. My mother bought it as a kid. And it's fucking bologna with olives in it and pistachios. Yeah. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. I put, it I, on my, I put it on my Cubans, dude. You, yeah, yeah. Oh, I nice put on my Cubans. Beautiful press. Because that, that dude, the vinegar, that vinegar that's in there with that fucking olive, that brininess of that olive and that vinegar mixed with the mustard mm. and the sweetness of the pulled pork and that Swiss cheese is fucking brilliant. It's awesome. You are you are getting me emotional. I'm good. I, I like that. That's what food's supposed to do. You are getting me emotional, man. I'm talking phenomenal food here. This is, listen, we can make the best steaks in the world. We can make the greatest lobsters in the world, risottos, whatever. I don't care what it is. I don't want that. I want yeah. something easy and simple. I want the, I want to, when I'm done cooking for every buffoon I've ever met in my life for the day, when I go home, I'll have, I'll have pimento loaf. I don't care. So I love it. now what is your, do you have like a go-to fast food spot? Uh, a fast food spot. I got to tell you, Wendy's is kind of where it's at. Dude, I love a fucking Wendy's burger. That flame broil. Uh, no, it's not Wendy's. Is so Wendy's good. flame broiled? No, Burger King's flame broiled. Burger King's flame flame broiled, <laughs> flame broiled than microwave. But uh, it's you know Wendy's is they have that grill like the McDonald's the griddle, does, right? That griddle, so they do it like that, then they put it all together. So that's nice. But I mean, the, the fries, the Wendy's fries are incredible. I don't think anybody has a good fry anymore. I'll be honest with you. Ever since they went ZTF, I think the McDonald's yeah. changed their oil and their fries suck anymore. They have a really bad aftertaste. Checkers plastic. has what's that? They taste like plastic. Checkers has a good fry, but it's a seasoned fry, so it automatically comes seasoned. Not bad. Uh, McDonald's, I just hate their fries anymore. They used to be awesome. Wendy's, I don't really get their fries. Burger King, fucking onion rings. Oh yeah. That stupid oh, little minced yeah. onion inside that breaded formed little ring. Come on. So good. This, yeah, this it is. is like everyone has their best points. Like, let's take McDonald's for a minute, okay? McDonald's did have the best fries, but now what's their best go-to food that they have? I, honestly, dude, their best go-to food is the fucking sausage McMuffin with cheese. Done. Their burgers Breakfast suck. McDonald's all day. Yeah. Breakfast from McDonald's all day. You, now, Wendy's is trying, or Burger King is trying to step on, you know, that, that train and say, I'm going to do breakfast as well. But their breakfast sucks. It's not as good as McDonald's. Do you follow Mike Harris, the old, he was an exec on the chef team at at McDonald's. Do you ever follow him on Insta, on Twitter? No, if you, his, no. It's Mike Harris, H-A-R-A-S-C-Z. He was on the show, I think, last week or the week before, oh, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Dude, he's a fucking, he's a really good dude, but he did a commercial after he left McDonald's for Wendy's. Really? It was awesome. And he literally, like, there, he tasted the breakfast sandwich and he was like, holy shit. Like, that was the commercial. It was awesome. It was really, really cool. It was neat. It was neat what he did. He didn't, he didn't badmouth anything. And I'll talk shit on McDonald's. I just don't, I just don't think that they're, I, like I got an iced coffee this morning from them because I had to go to the doctor and I left there, got an iced coffee and a sausage McMuffin with cheese and I'm set for the day. I already went to the bathroom. Now I'm set for the day. We're good. 
See, I can't do the McDonald's. I try that McDonald's coffee. That's even another thing. I got to do Starbucks. Now, I'm not a snob for coffee. Trust me, I'm not. But right. I don't even go to Starbucks to get the coffee. I do it at the supermarket. You get the big bottles Right. from Starbucks. I oh, there you go. Roast on it's delicious. I See, drink it black. I just, for me, I'm a cold black guy. Like, I have, a, I have an iced coffee dis, like uh, press, I guess you'd call it, in my house. I do like a good Dunkin' every now and then, but I think their coffee's a little watered down. Starbucks in there, when they do their cold brew, it's awesome. When they fuck up and don't do cold brew and they tell you it's cold brew and all they do is take the hot coffee from the night before, <laughs> that's when it gets shitty. And Dunkin' Donuts does that every now and then. So cold brew can be bad, but I don't know. I'm not, I got away from Starbucks. It's just too fucked, dude. It's like, it's like five bucks a cup. And I think that that's like a luxury item these days. And since the Starbucks near me closed, I don't even go to Starbucks anymore. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, you go to the supermarket, you get one of these iced coffee jobs like I do. You're paying yeah. three forty nine for the whole bottle. You're getting but is three it, coffees out of it. Honestly. Is it, is it, how, how, how many ounces is it? This one here is 48 ounces. Okay, so you're getting like a 48-ounce container of Starbucks coffee for how much? Three forty-nine. I can't beat that. Dude, there's Aldi has... Do you guys have Aldi up there? Uh, no. I wish Dude, Aldi's did. a great little grocery store. They just went all organic. I, and I can. All exactly. And their prices are fucking unbelievable. Like, I went to Whole Foods the other the day and I spent and my daughter was pissed she's funny because she's kind of frugal like I am but we went to Whole Foods the other day and it was a hundred dollars we went to Aldi I get they have an iced they have a cold brew if you get if you find an Aldi anywhere just try to go in and check it out it's a neat little store not a lot of product good stuff everywhere but they have a cold brew coffee that comes in like a 48 ounce container that's awesome it's the yeah like all these, I wish we had one. I would, because again, when I travel, I love to stop at an Aldi. We have these yeah. one spots that you love to stop at and you make sure you stop at. Like, okay, okay. for instance, I saw that when you drove down to pick up Fiona, right? And Emily. went down just recently. And I'm sorry, Emily, you yeah. want to pick up Emily, okay? Bro, you stopped at the Waffle House. Oh, dude, I will fuck up a Waffle House anytime. I love a Waffle House. How the but- fuck? Do you not stop at a Waffle House? Okay, so I here's die for that shit. Why do you like Waffle House? Oh man, it's the set. To be honest with you, it's the setting. And you gotta have it, it's that roadside. Let's just get in there and fuck shit up. Eat whatever they put on a plate and feel like shit afterwards. I don't care. I don't care. It's that good for me. It's that good. I am a Waffle fan. I'm a Waffle House fan for three reasons, and and in this order, the service, the fuck, and no, let me put it, let me back up, the cook, that motherfucker cooks audibly all day long, in code. Yeah, you find me cooks like that, and I'll hire them, and I'll pay them great fucking money. Because people don't, guys, like, think about it. In your kitchen, imagine being in your kitchen doing the volume that a Waffle House does, and you have a cook who is in front of every single person. Typically, there's only two guys, right? Yeah. And they're cooking fucking 
audibly in most cases. If I had to cook like that, I'd weigh about 150 pounds. I would. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of movement. It's a lot of movement. That's a lot of fucking movement, dude. You know, and they're yeah. the ones who fought for keeping the eggs out so they don't have to stay cold because it's right. a better egg that way. Agreed. It's it's look, it may not be the cleanest location, but I think that they execute a really good product. So I'm going to say for three to my top three for that is one, the cook two the service and three. They just they cook everything to order right there. Oh, yeah. Even it's, their waffles. Every, yeah. And they got the great awful the waffle wine iron sitting there and yeah, they're right ready to go. The batter's ready to go. It's yeah, a fucking wet nuts. Who doesn't? I hate a fucking wet nut, but they got wet nuts you can put on top of the the waffles. Exactly. And they, they don't stop, man. They just they they, they outperform for me any other type of uh, breakfast place. I agree. In the world, in the world. And think about it: that their locations are all right off of a major highway. So it's not like there's one in your neighborhood, fucking you know, like like right. a like a Five Guys. You know, that's in a strip mall. They're freestanding units that are right off of highways. So you've got a pretty discerning audience when it comes to certain stuff. Truck drivers, you know, they've got to make a decision to come to your place. I'm a huge Waffle House guy. I eat that all day. I eat it all day. I even go for the the grit. Bring me the grits. Bring me the grits. Bring it all. I'm ready. Not a huge grit guy. Unless it's a fresh grit. Like when I go down into South Carolina, when I go into Alabama, Mississippi, that sort of stuff, I'll fuck around with the grit. But I don't need grit up here. I love grits. I do. I try I make them myself when I can, when I have time. You know, it's it's not not a quick process making a real grit. I mean, dude, my cousin Vinny explained it all for us right off the bat. No self-respecting Southerner uses (laughs) an instant grit, right? Exactly. Are you sure about that time? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so let's kind oh of God. let's kind of move into a little bit more of some of the other stuff that you've been doing. So, um, Cutthroat Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Cutthroat what Kitchen. I finished that? that up. I want to know what the fuck was going on with that whole thing. Oh, dude! I was. I swear to God, bro! I thought I was going to die after the first round. I mean, listen, fat people and bending over and hanging around is not the thing to do. Right. I mean, Jesus. So hey, they had, it was the Super Bowl edition. Uh, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco was the judge. And I'll tell you what, he had no idea what he was doing. And God love him. I think he's a fantastic guy. We had a great time hanging out. But he, this is a guy who eats McDonald's three times a day. Right. He really does. He eats the breakfast and he goes for the Big Mac for lunch. And then he has another Big Mac for dinner. This is what he eats. He openly admits it. So, uh, you know, he came in and he tried the food and uh, he, he really liked it. But he didn't realize he had, to, he had to, like, tell someone that they, you know, had to leave. He didn't realize that. that. He didn't oh, know that. I don't know how he didn't get described to him. But right. he was like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You all did a great job. And Alton Brown's looking over him going, you got to get rid of one. Right. And he's just kind of, I don't want to. And he's like, I don't, I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I was like, geez, wow, what the hell? This guy's kind of a nice guy. He's really, you know, he's really not wanting to hurt people's feelings. Now, what my experience with him being when he was with the Patriots, you know, on field, you could see that he's kind of a dick, right? Like he's, his ego is huge. He's a great ball player. You know, he's just, but you get him off the field. It's like one of those people that you, you're just like, wow, what a solid, nice guy. 
And uh, but yeah, he didn't want to pick anybody out. He didn't want to take anybody out, but he uh, he did. And uh, at the end, I mean, listen. Truth be told, I I don't know where you stand on dessert, but with me, I've never made a dessert. I've never baked a cookie from scratch in my entire life. Right. I mean, literally, I've never done it. I I got no reason to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I had to do it on the show, and I didn't know I had to do it on the show. And when I did it, it came out like a puddle. So I refreezed it and I sold it as a, uh, I had to, you had to make a, for everybody else to know, you had to make a, uh, an ice cream sandwich from scratch. Okay. So, and I have never made ice cream before either. So I had a, I obviously, everybody knows the details of ice cream. It's fat, fat, and fat with flavor. Right. So I basically did that. I made a peanut butter, peanut butter ice cream with, I called it a sticky toffee cookie. Right. Yeah, it tasted like shit, I'm assuming. So now, when you, before you go on to there, I mean, what, are they offering up guidelines to you guys? Are they saying, this is what's in our pantry? I mean, what is, what's kind of the behind the scenes type of stuff? I mean, look, I've, I've judged, you know, uh, Bobby Flay for years. I've, right. I'm not a competition guy. You'll never see me do a competition unless it's involved in charity. I just right. don't, it's just not my world. I'm too much of a dick. If we're fucking running around a grocery store with a cart, I'm going to stab you. Like I'm going to get you out of my way and exactly. I'll probably run you over. It's just the way that I am, you know? Right. And but, I'm the same as you. I didn't even want to do this. You want to, you want the truth? Yeah. I actually didn't want to do it. Okay. I told my wife and I'll tell you exactly who, and you're going to be shocked at this. I actually, I told my wife from the time they contacted me, I said, I don't want to do this. And who did I end up talking to? Bourdain. I said to him, I go, Tony, I go, Food Network called. They want me to go do, go do a show. You know what he said to me? Typical him. We all have our crosses to clear. (laughs) That's what what he said to me. Yeah. I was like, you know, what do you, what do you think I should do? He goes, I'm not going to tell you what to do. He goes, do whatever you want. Yeah. I was like, so I did it, but you know, I, I didn't want to do it. I am not a competition guy at all. And you're right. Just for charity. Like I'll do, I'll do culinary fight club. I'll do world food champion. I'll do all that stuff. Cause it all goes towards, you know, some yeah. charity out there that is deserved Uh fight to feed. And then you get the, what the other one there, no kid hungry, all that stuff. I'll do that all day long. Right. But if it's for, for money and stuff, nah, I'm done. I don't want to do it. Yeah. So, but yeah, they, so, don't give you the, they don't give you the rundown. Basically they say, here's the pantry. This is what's in it. This is where you're going to find this one rack. They don't show it to you, but they say there's a rack in there with all the food you're going to need for that round if you can think about it. Okay. That's it. And then, so then they're coming out and then they're coming out and you guys are, you guys are on camera and they're saying, okay, here's what we want you to make today. Right. And you're putting in your own flair into each one of those types of dishes. So you had to do three dishes or you had to do one. You do one dish at a time. Uh, okay. So it's total of total of what was it? Four or three? It was three, three dishes each. Uh, and my first was the nachos, loaded nachos. It was supposed to be for tailgate food. Okay. Um, yeah. So we did the tailgate food. We did the nachos, the chicken sandwich, and then we went on to the uh, to the dessert round. And uh, but I got I I thought honestly, Chad Chad Johnson, you got to give him his credit. You know, he looked at me. It was a real quick funny story was that he never ate a fried chicken sandwich in his life. He's never had one. And everybody looked at him in a room like, what are you kidding me? No one right. had a fried chicken sandwich. He's like, never. He goes, this will be the first one I ever try. 
So we had it. We tried a couple, then he tried mine. And he looked at me straight in the face with Alton standing next to him, and he goes, you're my motherfucker. You are my motherfucker. <laughs> now, look at him, he goes, you know we can't use that, right? Let's try right. it again. He's, <laughs> he's like, what the hell? And that's just the way he was. He, he, you know, right. he was he was a real nice guy. But they they give you the three things, and you, you just make them. You do the best of your ability, and you use whatever tools they have in there. And they man, they want to screw you. He, he's he's kind of diabolical because I know he comes up with most of those uh, most of those you know pitfalls that he gives you. Now, now what, I had to do what a three point stance. My what first one was a three point stance. You had a you had a, you had a prep and a three point stance. What the I haven't been in a three-point three stance in 25 years. Well, football, did, you know, you're down on all your your hand down on the ground, and you you know you're standing. It's like being on the line. I'd have left. Right? I, yeah, I'd have left. I'd have been like, you know what? Never mind. I'm good. Junk. My back was junk. I'm telling yeah. you now. After that, it was junk. I was like, anybody got any ibuprofen? I'm like, I need this bad. Right. And, and uh, we end up resting for about an hour, having lunch, and then I felt better, and I came back in. But I didn't realize that this is the funny part of some weird, some weird thing about me is I, I, I don't have uh, feelings, I suppose uh, you would call it. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And I didn't realize it because I went into this thing going, hey, I'm going to be on Food Network. Who cares? If I go out in the first round, I go out in the first round. What right. does it matter? Right. And all of a sudden, here it comes. I'm in the final two. And the poor girl who was doing the makeup and stuff, she was she took one look at me and I started pouring sweat before yeah. we stopped filming. And she was just like, are you OK? Are you I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, Holy shit, I can win this thing. And I got 14 grand. I got right. 14 grand sitting next to me. I could win 14 grand right now. Are you kidding me? And that's when it nailed me. And it was like, oh, my God, this is nuts. And then all of a sudden dessert. And I'm like, you got to be fucking shitting me. This is right. bad news. I'm Right, so yeah, but they 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 do a good job over there. But it's terrible. It, they put you through the ringer. Huh. That's crazy. And then, so what was your what was your next kind of pitfall after the three point stance? Uh, the holding on to a uh, marker. You know the markers, the ten yard markers. Yeah, and he had them welded. He had them welded in the middle with a steel bar. So you had to negotiate that kitchen with someone else holding the other end and you only had one hand to work with. Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. They go, (laughs) they got the producers and they got the cameras on me and they're going, he's only got one hand. He's separating eggs with one hand. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, you do it. If you work in a real kitchen, you do that on a daily basis. You try to do as quick as you can. You separate. I'm like, dude, shut up. I'm like, I'm busy. Leave me alone. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it was crazy. So that was that one. And then now, the, did you win? The, I won. Yeah. Nice. I ended up winning the whole time. My yeah, problem is I don't have, I don't have TV. Oh, I mean, I, nobody should have TV at this I point. Know, I know. I have Netflix and I'm good. I'll watch my, I'll watch my, I'll binge. You know, I binged a little last night on some stuff. I'm watching this documentary on this dude whose wife fell downstairs and he was an author. It's called Stairways. It was pretty fucking good. But. She's got to be um, watching some of that. She wants to start it. She said she started a little bit of it and it was good. She wants me to start watching that. What is your, now do you have like go-to TV or go-to show at the end of the day? I will watch Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, and Chicago Med all day, all night, okay. nonstop. I just have, 
I just something about it. It's a lot of fun. It's just it's it's Dick Wolf does some good writing. Other than you know uh, what's that show uh, Law and Order SVU? That thing just jumped the shark fifteen years ago, right. and I'm kind of over it. So I don't watch that anymore. But the Chicago series are really good. Uh, when you get to Netflix, you, I know you've seen Tiger King. Yeah, man, I watched that. Uh, pretty funny. I actually, my daughter. I watched it on the way home from Florida. Oh. So my daughter drove and I fucking, I binge watched Tiger King. Yeah. I mean, you have to look, have you, you ever have seen to. a show that has been more promoted or talked about than that episode, than the, than that series? I, I can't say anything, you know I mean? I, like I don't a, think I've ever seen anything promoted that way. It's like a good car crash. That yeah. you can't, you, you'll rubberneck the hell out of it. You can't stop watching it. And I, see, once you add Florida people into stuff, I think it, it really opens oh. up dynamic. Like they, there was a period I did a, I did a, I was on a panel once with uh, the director of programming for, I don't know, one of the networks. I can't remember one of these, the networks that the show, that these shows were on duck dynasty or whatever. And he said, duck dynasty sat on his desk for 10 years because they, they didn't want to be perceived as making fun of the South, you know, and this was like right around, you know, great, you know, uh, housewives of, of all the fucking country, all the States around the country. But and then they finally made that move into the South with a couple of these little shows. And that was when Duck Dynasty was kind of re, relaunched or really right. kind of taken off of the shelf at that point. And then, these, you know, they went into this world of, of the Southern and that draw and that redneck world. And now it's right. just fully acceptable. I mean, that whole world of and, and Florida alone. Come on, it's Florida. Oh, man, it's, 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 it writes its own story. Yeah, I mean, it just really does. You know, and as you, you drive through Florida, like I love the drive through Florida. I just drove to Jackson. I've been through Tampa and West Palm and or uh, West Palm and the Keys. I lived in the Keys, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I I know Florida fairly well, Orlando and all that. And it's just a different series of weirdness, kind of. I, I, you go. I love Florida. My grandmother moved to Florida, obviously, because that's what basically we all do from the north. We moved to Florida. Yeah. Uh, when you retire. But uh, my love, my love and my my, my complete love is for uh, California. Yeah. Uh, what part? Uh, I love I love Orange County, Ladera Ranch. Um, there's just something about those two areas that. Yeah. I mean, I like L.A. I thought L.A. was fine and all, but I'm just oh. not. I'm, I don't want to deal with. Listen, I'm a city guy. Lived in the city my whole life. I don't want to deal with the city after I retire. Right. So places like that are like almost like George Strait's song somewhere down in Texas. Just leave yeah. me alone. Let me just deal with the outside. Let me be in the outside. So, yeah, uh, it's fun. I'm a Northern California guy. I love that whole like that whole Northwest world. So Oregon yeah. and Washington and Idaho, Northern California, to me is like the epitome of beauty. And um, I just did. I guess in October, September, or October, I drove from San Fran up into Guerneville, which is like Sonoma, Napa, and all that stuff. And uh, just drove along like through Point Reyes Seashore, hit all the cool little oyster spots along that way. To me, that is like the epitome of beauty. That is like the place to be. 
Right. Napa was really great. I love that area. Especially mm-hmm. wineries, all that stuff. It's fantastic. See, I'm not even into the wineries. I don't even give a shit about that stuff. To me, the scenery and all the little tiny food spots along the way, that yep. to me is like awesome. See, it's, I, I find it I find it very strange that you and I are almost the same when it comes to this. Uh, I, I really enjoy I really enjoy all those little food spots myself. And the, the I don't need the wine. I don't drink. I mean, you and I hung out together. We we, we were at Mohegan. Yes. You didn't see a drink in my hand. I don't drink. Oh, you don't you drink at I mean? all. No, I don't drink at all. It's like I, I, I after owning a nightclub, you know, it's like you see all the train wrecks that come out of this. It's like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> what's the point? You're gonna watch yourself fall down and kill yourself. So I kind yeah, of about, something one, about it. One of my guys, guy who works in my kitchen, wants to own a dispensary. And he's talking to me last night, and I'm like, and he's telling me, he's like, ah, oh, I can't wait to own a dispensary. I'm going to smoke everything that comes in. I said, I said, I give you six weeks in the business then. Right. Six fucking weeks in the business. What's product? the number one rule of owning a bar? He's like, don't drink in your own fucking bar. I'm like, exactly. Exactly. My uncle actually saw me. He was, he was always my partner in any venture that he did. And he, he, one day I was in the office and I was doing some paperwork, counting some of the money, and I had a bottle of tequila in front of me. And that was when, uh, when Sousa first came out and it was delicious. And I had the bottle sitting there with a glass and I felt that hand right off the back of my head. And he looked down, he goes, you don't drink your own product, you idiot. And he took the bottle away from me. He goes, that costs money. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, man, that's so, your profit right there. I said, uh, yeah. So I, I got myself, I learned a lesson young. I mean, like I said, I started young. So he taught me the the good do's and don'ts of any business that you're going to own, especially in the restaurant industry. You know, so you can't, not you have very thin margins. Do you not drink at no? all? Occasionally. Like if I, I, put it this way. I got to, now you're going to laugh. I got a case of Miller High Life in my, in my walk-in right now. Right. I've, I've been there for three months and I'll grab one every once in a while and just toss one back at the end of the night and go, Jesus. Dude, I do day. love a right? fucking beer at the end of, like, when you're done cleaning, wiping down, mats are placed, shits away, counts are done. Fucking love a good beer. But I drink Bud Light. Oh, it's not better, so. oh you're drinking Bud? Another brand produced by another brew, which costs so much brew and age. Our exclusive beats with AD produces the smoothest and taste and drinkability you will find in no other beer at any motherfucking price. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love Bud. For years, I love, I've love. i I've always loved Budweiser. Yeah, I'm not a craft beer guy. I don't need like the newest 90 minute session IPA. Like I don't get into any of that. I have a, I just, it's all super bitter to me. I've just never been a fan of craft beer. Look, I respect the art and I respect the craft of what it is that they're doing and the way that they're putting these products together and, you know, the, the artisanal nature in which it's prepared. But for me... I'm just not into beer. I drink Bud bottles. I don't want a can. Don't give me a fucking aluminum bottle. Go fuck yourself. Give me a brown bottle of beer and I am a happy guy. Or super clear like the champagne of beers and I'm good to go. But I drink PBR, Miller High Life, Bud, and I'm good. Corona. Listen, I sit down at a bar and if I say to you, just 
give me give me what you got because you don't have my Miller High Life. Okay, if I decide to drink that day, yeah, I'm out with friends, like social event. If you show up in front of me with a fucking blueberry in my beer, I'm slapping you. I don't want no fruit in my beer. I don't. You're getting it right across and, and the, the fucking lips. Now, now I respect. I do respect. I respect the craft of that, and I respect. You know, I, my I dated a woman for a while. Her and I were, you know, I mean, for back and forth for God, I don't know, two years, whatever it was. Her knowledge of craft beer was unmatched. You know, I mean, and you know, we'd be together for a month, like as a relationship, and then break up for three. And it was like every time that we would go out, there was I always learned something. You know, her knowledge of beer and what she curated in her beer list for her restaurant was unlike anything that I've ever seen before. You know, and she'd come down to Philly and she'd end up at Tired Hands, which is a great, very worldly, widely known uh, brewing fermenteria around the corner from me. And she would go in there and 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 be in heaven. And I'd be like, I'll be at the Irish pub around the corner drinking a bottle of Bud. Right. I mean, you know, you that, I, I read just like you, I respect their process. It's yeah. just like us. We're creators. We're creators of raw, 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 anything. Right. And yeah. we're putting and we're, we're artists. We're trying to put something together. I respect their process. I respect that they're artists. I re, but don't put a blueberry in my fucking beer. That's <laughs> so all what's, it's, so what's next? What's next for you guys now? I mean, where, where is, is Mike Fucci? Where is chef Mike's? What are your plans? You know, I mean, what is the plan for you guys for the next six months in the midst of all of this kind of shit? I mean, I guess just stay the course and still try to be relevant with your menu. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. I need to make sure that we stay, you know, just like any restaurant in any given time, reinventing yourself is always a, the most important thing because people don't want the same old, same old BS. So you got to keep, I, I figure if you keep your menu fresh, I should be okay. Now, am I going to get a loan from, from the EDIL or am I going to get a loan from the PPP? Probably not. And that's fine. I'm, I listen, when you open your restaurant, no matter what happens, it ultimately falls on you. Yeah. And if you, if, if something happens that's unexpected, that's fine, but you got to be able to be creative and you got to be able to know how to roll with the punches and reinvent yourself. And if you don't, you're going to sink and I'm not sinking. I told I told the guys here in Needham, hey, hey listen, I'm not going anywhere. I told yeah. all my staff, I'm not going anywhere. I go, neither are you. So don't worry about it. I said, I'll figure this out one way or another. Now, do I have, I opened this place in August 4th last year with $26 left in my bank account. <laughs> Who opens a restaurant with $26 in their fucking bank account left? Nobody. Nobody. Right. You're an idiot at that point, Right. I get everything I have in here is brand new, brand new equipment, brand new everything, right? I went all out. I'm an idiot, okay? That's fine. But here I am again. I'm right back to that same situation where I'm looking at the bank account. I'm down to $24 now instead of $26. And I'm going, okay, so the last eight months didn't matter. And that's fine, financially. We start over again. We reinvent ourselves. We come up with the clever ideas. And even if it means that I got, okay, for instance, can I afford to do this? No. But next week, I'm giving 200 meals to the Boston Police Department. Okay? Can I afford it? No. But I'm doing it. You know why? Because that's just what you're supposed to do. Now, when this is all over, either you're getting on a plane or I'm getting on a plane, and we're heading straight to the Czech Republic, okay? (laughs) Because in Leipzig, in Prague, they've got the best beer you've ever had in your life, just so you know. (laughs) 
going back to that real quick. The best beer. I don't even drink. I drank almost 15 steins of beer from the place. Nice. It's the cleanest beer. Yeah, it's Pilsner. It's a Pilsner. It's like Bud. It's, yeah. it's the best beer you've ever had in your life, though. It's clean. It's nice. super clean. So anyway, but yeah, get, get, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through this. I'm not worried about it. Am I stressed out? Yeah, of course I'm stressed out. My people got families. But right. at the end of the day, I'll go without to make sure I haven't taken a check out of here either, as you said. With your yeah. place, you haven't seen a check yet. And you got children. So I mean, what the hell? Yeah, it's you know, a wild I, little world. Yeah, we're all listen, at the end of the day, we're all small business owners on whatever level we're at, we're still small. Yeah. And we're the ones that are going to get the kick in the ass because we're the ones who provide for this country. And nobody appreciates that at the end of the day more than our customers, I'm sure. But I can tell you right now, anybody sitting in a political office has no goddamn clue. And they don't care as long as they take care of their friends and special interest and lobbyists. That's why these big restaurants got all that money, because they had sent yeah. out lobbyists. It just yeah. There's a huge, huge article that just came out about it. I don't know if you read it from CNN. Well, it's, I, I stay as far. I don't. I don't trust any of the news outlets in the first place. So, uh, if I research yeah, something, I'm I'm deep. I dig deep because it's just there's too much. There's there's there is no more. You know, we used to watch the news at the end of the day, and the news at the end of the day was the truth. It's what it was. Yeah. You know, I would watch NBC and I would get the news that I needed to know for the day. And now news is a business. So to get that business and to get that, keep that network on the air, you have to appeal to a certain group of people. You know, Coca-Cola is not going to go, you know, and be a sponsor on, I don't know, CNN if they're saying that, you know, that, that soda causes cancer. You know, right. if they're, they're not going to be a sponsor of that network. So we go to the other side where they don't talk about that. They don't do it. So where is the truth in news? The truth in news is in reality, all of us kind of digging in a little bit deeper. I mean, I'm a science guy. I believe in science. And that's the right. case of all this. You know, I mean, this Me is a scientific problem and a medical issue that we're having. We have to pay attention to what it is that they're saying. I don't give a fuck about what it is that Trump is saying in any way. And whether you voted for him or not, this comes down to a leadership issue. And as a leader, we have to make sure that the people, that if we don't know something, that we have the right people in place. You're not a baker. If you want to make desserts, you're going to bring somebody in who knows how to bake. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, if I'm the president of the United States and I don't know that much about medical, I am standing up and I'm saying, these are our cases. This is where we are right now. This is what we're going to do now. I'm going to bring the expert up here who's going to talk that's where that's where the problem lies because he's trying to be an expert to insert his his thought process into everything which just makes him look and seem more like a buffoon it's just the nature of what he's doing so right and again three people's standing there that are doctors. You got one guy who's the head of the infectious disease in the entire world standing right there telling you it's going to be six months before anything gets done. And we're not going to have a a cure or an antidote for a year to 18 months. And he gets up on the microphone and goes, it's all great. It's wonderful. We got 15 people. It'll be gone soon. And you'll go back to work. No, listen, buddy, eat a dick because you're a moron. Okay. I didn't vote for the fool. I wouldn't vote for the other fool either at the time. But I'll say this. The only person I listen to when the TV comes on 
is Fauci. And I mute Trump. I mute it. I don't want to hear his mouth. So I mute it and I wait for Fauci. And that's where I get my real news from. But uh, I think that to your point, truth and news, it died. Truth and news when Walter Cronkite died. That was yeah, the I only think, time you I think truth and news died when we had news networks that came out that were now businesses. There was no business of the news prior to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. There was no business of news. Now there's a business of news. News and journalism were truth at that point until. Right. It became a business. When CNN came out, that is when, and MSNBC and, and all that stuff, that is when the news became a business. So I can't listen to a biz, the business of news. I want to know what it is that I should do. And as a, as a country, we are all still a little bit confused. You know, we're all still trying to figure out what the reality is. Do we open? Don't we open? Cincinnati, Ohio is opening next week. They're opening back up to the public next week. That's a mistake. That be, that's a mistake. I mean, Fauci says that's straight mistake. up it's a mistake. You can't, as far as I'm concerned, if, if even one person is still dying from this, just one, you know, and there's, and you don't know, so you still don't know who's infected. You got to be careful. I mean, Florida, God damn, Florida. What the hell is DeSantis thinking? Letting these people all go on spring break. What the well, hell is wrong with him? I mean, and, and I understood a portion of that at that time. And the portion of that at that time was based on the, the, in the, the people that were diagnosed with it, which was minimal at that point. There wasn't a lot that was going on. And where that influx came from, the influx came from the multitude of people that were then flocking down to Florida for that spring break time. Yes, but what they didn't, they didn't account. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot that was happening in Florida. You know, it was minimal. What do you think, I mean, the do you think first, gave him the idea to do it? What do you think well, was I mean, the I bottom think line? The, one of the first major, and the only places that I can really truly speak about were, like I was in Fort Myers. Nothing was really happening in Fort Myers other than what was happening in the rest of the country around that St. Patrick's Day time frame. So now there was talk about what was going to happen beforehand. There was a little bit of communication. They finally started to shut down some of the larger gatherings and stuff like that at that point. Now this is Fort Myers, so this is West Coast. But there was, you know, I mean, there wasn't a lot of, 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 there weren't a lot of cases at that point in Florida. So there wasn't a huge reason. Now, once St. Patrick's Day, that, that weekend before or that week before within 12, 13 and 14 started to happen, that was when they were like, okay, we're starting to see a couple of things. But like Fort Myers didn't have a real case until the week after St. Patrick's Day. So there wasn't a tremendous amount that was going on. So I understood that portion of it during that time when I was down there. Now, when I was down there, my whole thought process was I need to get the fuck home. Like right. I want to get home. And as I was flying out of Florida and I was standing in line at the airport and I have a mask on and I have gloves on and there are people and I was walking through pre-check and I'm looking in the regular in the in the in the the, the other line and people are hugging and high fiving and hanging out and talking and chatting and sharing drinks and and doing all of that stuff. And I was I was almost like I was kind of mortified. You know, that there wasn't more of a community conversation about what was happening at that time frame based on what was happening in the rest of the country. 
So, you know, and then when you get into Tampa and, and St. Pete's and all that stuff, like where Jerry and those guys are from. Hey, Jerry, can you hop in here real quick? Do you mind? Hey, I don't have my mic on, but uh, hopefully you can hear me. So Jerry lives in, in Tampa, St. Pete area. I mean, around that St. Patrick's Day time frame, where were you guys? Uh, I mean, we were kind of in the same boat as everybody else. We were just monitoring everything. And, uh, right. you know, I, the thing that got us were the hordes and hordes of people going down to Clearwater Beach. Right. And, I mean, the beach yeah. was mobbed and there was no such thing as social distancing. I mean, people were on top of everybody and it, it was a mess. But they've since closed the beaches and pretty much shut everything down here as well. Was there any form of... of and I don't want to use the word, but was there are there any form of outbreak that they kind of tracked that happened to that massive amount of people that were coming down there at that point? Was there an influx of infection afterwards? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say there was an influx, but but again, like you said earlier, you know, the biggest issue we had was was tourists coming in from out of town. Right. You know, to the point that DeSantis and I'm not a fan of him whatsoever. But right. Santos actually, you know, were, they were stopping people at the border from, you know, people coming in from New York, driving in. Yeah, that, I, that was when I was leaving. That was when I was leaving Jacksonville. Right. So that was the week after St. Patrick's Day. That was that Monday. They were starting to really get involved and saying Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Delaware. If you were coming down, that was when, and even I think the day that I left was when they started a quarantine process for right. anybody coming out of those regions that was in Florida at that point. Well, the thing you've got to keep in mind, too, I mean, when you're talking Florida, you know, the biggest industry in, in Florida is tourism, you yeah. know, and, and this couldn't have hit at a worse time for the state of Florida with spring break, like you said. Huge. You know, yeah. so yeah. It, it, was, it was just a total, um, it was a cluster. I mean, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's it was a financial decision by the governor is what it was. Oh, absolutely, you made a financial decision. Well, and, and yeah, now you you know right, and now you're seeing you know DeSantis is coming under fire now. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen anything about what's going on with the WWE in Orlando. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Tampa was supposed to host WrestleMania this year, and WrestleMania is, was going to bring two hundred million dollars into the Tampa Bay area, and they had to cancel it. You know, so, I mean, just take that out of it. We'll see what DeSantis is doing now with with the WWE. And he just said that they were an essential business, basically to save Vince McMahon's ass for a TV contract. It is basically what it comes down to. But, you know, when you look at at everything else, you know, nothing he's done has made sense. And he's he's a walking contradiction. Right. I mean, the guy can't even put a mask on properly. No. No. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's a mess down here. And like I said, you know, with tourism being the main industry in Florida, you know, and hitting in spring break, it couldn't have hit at a worse time to the state of Florida. Yeah. My problem is the fact that you have so many people that live in Florida that are elderly because they're all transplants from up north. Right. We have all these people that are still there for the winter. We have a nursing home about 10 miles from where I live in Clearwater that. I think at last check, there were 25 residents that all came down with the coronavirus, nine dead, and I think 19 staff members that work at the nursing home. It's horrible. It's horrible. We should open the country back up, boys. That's what we should do. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, I mean, if you look at California, I mean, California shut off. They're done. They're done large events until June 21, if I'm not mistaken. Like any gatherings, I think it's over a hundred or over a thousand. I can't remember what it is. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter, but any large gathering. So that now you're talking about the state of California, no sporting events. You know, I mean, I heard the, I heard the, the, uh, uh, Jerry, you would know you're down in, in, uh, St. Pete and stuff. There's a lot of training camps. What are they saying about baseball? Oh, it's shut down. I mean, there's there hasn't even been any talk about anything restarting because, again, you know, that happened that hit right in the middle of spring break when spring training's going right. on. Right. Exactly. You know, and they, they pulled everybody out of spring the break. Sport, or spring. That would be the only sport that would be able to be open. So if you think about it, that would be where you can social distance, uh, you know, without a crowd in the stadiums, obviously. But to keep your I TV right, keep your money coming in. It's be the only one you can do. And tennis. that's that's tennis. and golf. Is that a golf? Sport? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just check. I mean, even doubles. You can even do doubles in tennis. You couldn't really do a foursome in golf unless everybody was separate carts and taken off in different ways. I mean, right. What other sports could you do that could be done as a separate world? You can't do basketball. You can't do football. Soccer, you can't do. Wrestling, you can't do. I mean, fucking hurling or hurling. curling. Or curling or hurling. You can't do any I of love it. curling. I love curling. That's because you got that northern stuff in. You're so close to Canada. Well, I was a hockey player for 17 years. I was a goaltender. I love anything on ice. With the yeah. exception of, like, uh, Disney. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. All right. We've gone every single angle that we can. So much so that we even pulled Jerry into the conversation. Uh, oh, yeah. But, Mike, we got to roll, brother. I appreciate your time today. Why don't you do give us one last round, who you are, what you do, and how people can get in contact with you. Well, I am Chef Mike Fucci at Chef Mike's in Needham, Mass. And uh, you can get me at, at Chef Mike F or at Chef Mike's Needham on uh, Instagram and on Facebook. Also, Bri, thank you very much. Jerry, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I really I want you guys to stay safe. You know, I, I appreciate everything. Uh, you know, give my best to the girls, Bri. Yeah, you know, just Same to your sure they're safe. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, listen, we, as soon as this is over, we're, we're going to get together and we're going to go party again. I'll take a Budweiser any day, brother. I'm with you. I'll get you the keg. How's that? Well, I no, I don't like draft beer. I like a fucking bottle. Well, just give me we, a case. I got Anheuser Busch down the street from me here, so they're delivering every day. I'll I'll get you ten cases. I don't care. All right, brother. All right, man. Thanks for hopping on. I appreciate it. Cheers, dude. Thanks, guys. Ciao. Adios. There you go. Chef Mike Fucci out of Needham, Massachusetts. Mike's been a good dude, and he and I have kind of followed each other on Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff for a while. And uh, Mike said, hey, brother, I'd love to get on the show. And so what a proper time, really. I think it was a great time for him to get in just in the middle of all this, um, uh, doing his cutthroat kitchen stuff in the past. And now he's opened up his own little spot up there, which is always fun. So a uh, big round of applause to Chef Mike Needham or Chef Mike uh, Fucci up there at Needham's or in Needham, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I always find it weird that if you're from Mass, I think you say Mass, but if you're not, you're Massachusetts, you know, or, oh, just outside of Boston or something to that effect. So, I mean, I don't know, Jerry, would you ever say, like, uh, I'm from Tampa FL? No. 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 Like, I would never say I'm from Philly, PA. Yeah, no, no. You know, are you saying, are you saying LA, California, New York, New York? 
Man, I guess in that case, you probably, I mean, well, I mean, if you said you're from the Bronx, you know, you're from the Bronx. That's in New York. But I guess Needham, I guess I would. Because I know everybody I say, I talk to, they're always like from Mass. That's weird. I've never heard anybody say that down here. Yeah, no, not at all. That's odd. So, uh, all right, everybody, do me a favor. Thanks so much to the crew. We got Jerry and Jason out there at RadioInfluence.com. I say this every single episode. It's very, very simple. If you have an idea for a podcast, reach out to the boys. Trust me, they will talk to you. They'll let you know whether or not it's going to be a great idea or how you can coddle that and what to do. Um, they've got over 20 podcasts that they're running right now. These guys are executing them at an unbelievably high level. Uh, quality, not only quality, but pace as well. Um, so talk to these guys, get something going with them. They're a, a great resource of information across the board. Plus they're good friends of mine. So do what you got to do. Maggie Gagliardi out there, Mags Art at M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. Guys, look, I'm going to tell you what's going on with Maggie right now. She has been designing beer can labels, working with these local breweries up in her region of Connecticut and Rhode Island and Mass up in that way. And she's unbelievably talented. And I'm lucky enough to be able to be friends with her and to be partnered with her on this project to Duffified Live and what she does. Please get out there and follow her at Mags Art. Michelle out there at Techno Solution, y'all know I talk about her on a weekly basis. My websites, um, some graphic design stuff that we work on for different projects that I do. She does all of the menus for every single client that I work with. Every person that I did on the show, she developed and worked with their menus as well and put some really cool stuff together. So boys and girls, do me a favor, get out there and thank uh, and, and work with uh, Michelle at Techno Solution. T-E-C-H-K-N-O-W-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. That's the woman to talk to. Y'all do me a favor, have a wonderful day. Thanks for coming out and wash your goddamn hands and be nice to people. Cheers. Didn't get duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is A Place for My Head Quick Picks on Radio Influence. This week on the A Place for My Head podcast, Brandon Thompson and I are talking to longtime Tampa Bay and Atlanta radio personality, Jesse Cage. Brandon, you and I had talked a little bit earlier about some openness and and, and how it it takes time for people to, and again, not to be cliche, but to realize it's okay to not be okay. And then it's also okay to express that and to let people around you know that it's okay. And for me and doing radio for 24 something years, uh, it's the ups and downs of that business. And when you're riding really high, it's easy to push and quiet the demons because, well, you know, I'm Jesse Cage. I'm number one. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And you don't let those things start to creep in. But how fragile so many of us are, not just in radio, but in the entertainment business in general. Uh, when you lose your microphone, whether that be for a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever the case may be, it's really easy for that insecurity and the anxiety of, am I good enough? The depression of, why don't I have a job anymore? Um, and, and really this time after all these years, the last year and a half or two years, um, I finally been able to embrace that shit 
I've been able to <laughs> shit, break shit. That, those demons and go, you know what? Um, you know, I'm not always okay. You know, I don't, you know, people will look at, you know, my Facebook and it's like, oh, you know, him and his wife are always happy and they're always doing these things. And oh, look, he's at another concert or he's, you know, front row at, at WrestleMania or, or, or one of these things. Everything is great. And then realize that, well, we all still have to come home at night and we still have our struggles with our spouse, you know, living together, being quarantined together. For yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you start kind of getting each other's throats and, 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 and to start putting out into the world that, man, it's not all just roses, man. A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.